Hola everyone. Welcome to the Art Worlds podcast. My name is Nduta Wangari. This is where we live, learn and laugh a little bit more. In this podcast, this is where we familiarize young upcoming artists about the art industry through professional artists in the game. This podcast was done by students from the Technical University of Kenya. Here with me is one of the students who went out for an interview with one of the best in the industry. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am Joachim and I'm the one who interviewed Mr. Paul Onditi. Mr. Paul Onditi's gallery is based in Kileleshwa inside a restaurant called Kwawangwana restaurant. When you enter inside the, um, the restaurant, everything from the roof from to the walls covered with art everything. Now the gallery is behind the restaurant. The gallery is so big, the walls are so tall and he has a very good working space. His work is covered all over the wall and some are down everywhere. Mr. Paul Onditi is a cool guy. He welcomed us. Everything we asked, he was free to share with us. Since he's a, he's a parent, he was treating me like a, maybe his son. He wanted me to learn. He was giving me every bit of experience that he has gone through. Every, ch- every challenge that he went through. Up to now, he's an established artist. Okay, wow. What did you carry home from him? Mr. Polonit is a good person. He's a good-hearted person. Okay, thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. My fellow listeners will go direct to the interview done by Joaquin. Welcome. Hello, this is Joachim and welcome to podcast Artwell Podcast. Thank yes. you. Mr. Paul Ondit. Yes, welcome to my uh, studio. Thank you. If for uh, if someone if someone knowing you for the first time, Mr. Paul Ondit, mm-hmm. uh what what is he expecting from you or how will he know what Paul Ondit does? I'm a Kenyan by birth, an artist by profession. And when I say an artist by profession, I mean a painter and a sculptor. So I paint and I sculpt. Both are my speciality within that faculty. So if you want to know what I do, is paint, sculpt, and maybe draw. Uh, Naturally, drawing is in between there. Okay. Yes. When did you realize that you can do art? I think I did realize when I was age six. Age six? Yes. Um, as I grew up, uh, we didn't have uh, ready papers or pencils or pens, but we had the ground to draw on as kids. And the walls. So, and the walls. But the walls would use maca, charcoal. Uh, though that would earn you some beating at the end of the day, not appreciation. (laughs) But then the safest thing was to go down on the dust and just scribble something or draw something. And that started as early as six years old. How did you develop it? Development of it came much later, but I think it started in small bits. Um, I would draw on the ground and call my mother, who happened to be a teacher, to come and see. So, 
you 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 realize that that was really a point of fascination for me. I was looking for some sort of um, compliment, maybe if I may call it, from my mother. So my mother was my first curator. <laughs> she actually would come by, check out what I've drawn on the ground. In as much as we all knew, at the end of the day, the data would be lost. But whatever was done was done, and she would just encourage me. So I think for me that was the first development of my career. I had a supportive parent who actually uh, noticed as early as then that I liked drawing. Are uh, your parents artists too? No, no. they were both teachers. Or oh, both teachers. My father is late. My mother is still around. They were both teachers. Uh, but I think they did a good job bringing me up. They didn't. They didn't quite kill the dream. They encouraged me to draw, but also encouraged me to do something that was worth of a profession. According to this society, art was not that much considered as a profession. Who are your role models growing up, up to now? Um, I think art-wise, I must have picked role models much later. Because um, I went to high school. Even as late as high school, I still did not quite have role models. I just still knew that I enjoyed drawing. So I did not even do art and design in high school. I only did something close to it called technical drawing and design. Because my father and I, I had a, we had a conversation and he managed to convince me, uh, stating that I should just continue drawing, but I need to do something that is going to get me a job. So I looked around and the only cousin to art that I could lay my hands on was technical drawing and design. So I thought, but I realized much later it was two worlds apart. Technical drawing and design is very precise. It leads you to being an architect. Architects and artists by practice are not the same thing. So that's what I did uh, in high school. And then later on I was to join university, which I did. <clears throat> but now this time around not to become an architect but to become an artist. An artist. Mm. Okay. I've learned that you were in Germany for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Can you compare the challenges Kenyan artists have and the challenges the German artists have? Hmm. The challenges are enormous. For an artist, um, I start by saying, you know, art is the first profession biblically. Yeah. You know that. I know. So the first phrase in the Bible, for those who read the Bible, is in the beginning God did what? He created. So God was number one creative. Before he did anything, he was an artist. He created. Eh? So, but the challenges around art, <laughs> going back to challenges, I know mass. Why did I bring in that version of God created? You know, when you create, you bring form into existence from nowhere. There's no formula here. When I joined the university, my imagination was I was going to see a professor walk in 
with a bunch of brushes and paint. And it was actually, in my mind, I thought one professor was going to show up and show us how to paint and how to draw. Trust me, it never happened. Especially in the painting class, never. For five years. All he did was to come and trash what we had done previously <laughs> and tell you this is nonsense, this is nonsense. Okay, this maybe you can pick up from here. Or maybe repeat. So, yeah. So, the challenges are enormous. Uh, that is practice-wise. Uh, we don't quite uh, ascribe to what other professionals do. You know, by that I mean... You bring into existence things that are imaginative, things are, that are probably related to the reality. And that's a big challenge. I mean, that's for me the number one challenge. How do you become an artist? Okay, you want to paint a piece. Where do you start from? What is the thought process? You know, you, you're being a small god in your own space. You have to create something into existence and hoping that it's something that has never been seen before or been experienced before, in as much as nothing is new under the sun, but you have to brand it, or you have to give it a meaning that is fresh, that is new. So for me, that's number one challenge. Number two challenge that I think artists in Germany and here share in common is um, challenge of survival as professionals. You know, art, it's either people are going to receive it or people are going to reject it. In the art world, there's no gray zone. It's either or. So that's a huge challenge. You know, others have a, t have, have, have a chance to make right what they, they did not do right. An artist, you hardly have that chance if you've never realized. Because... You, 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 you really need to balance between your journey to success and your journey to nowhere. You could be practicing forever and maybe die without seeing any of the fruits of your practice. But there are those who practice practiced in such a short time and they've hit the target. How? None of us know. We don't even know sometimes what could be called good art. Because art is just art. It's coming, should be coming from the heart of someone. But who, who says what is good art? Those are challenges. So challenges of practice, challenges of existence, survival. I think those bind both worlds together. Okay. Now, the works that you do, what, what inspires you to maybe to do a work? Well, I'm inspired by things that I see, things that I hear. My experiences, personal experiences in life, and just how I interpret the world around me. You see, um, I've worked on given projects. One of them called uh, Reconstruction of the Tower of Babel. Um, there's a tower that is uh, mentioned in the Bible readings called the Tower of Baba. And apparently, this is the place where, according to that literature, is where um, 
the different languages that we speak today emanated from. So I had to interrogate the philosophy behind nothing is new under the sun and came up with the title Reconstruction of the Tower Babel. By that I was just trying to bring back together the convergence of languages of the world. And uh, this I did visually by creating little pieces on a flat surface and not constructing the real tower. I don't know whether you, you get what I'm saying. I'm getting it's a representation of 3D on a flat surface. How was I reconstructing the tower? These little pieces would be picked by people from different parts of the world and they would write for me a reason why they picked whatever they picked from a whole collection of many pieces. The writing would be done, not in English, but for those who come from England, they would do it in English. But wherever someone came from, they did it in their native language. Then I would use those writings to produce the next piece to replace what they picked. At the end of the day, I got hold of about 42 different languages on a flat surface. For me, that was reconstruction of the tower. I brought languages of the world together. So the inspiration there clearly is just that story and how I can relate to the same story in the present world. Okay. So, shared surface brought different languages on the same space. So, the things that I see, the things that I experience, the things that I hear about, uh, really do inform my decision making in, in whatever I execute. Okay. Now, talking of trends, you've been to Germany, you are your works are selling internationally. Do you think trends affect affect someone someone's work positively or negatively? Both ways. Can you please explain? Both ways. Trends trends depending on what the trend is, one has to be careful that the trends don't leave you out and you have to be careful that they don't sweep you aside not away if they take you with the, with, with them that's fine because you'll continue swimming in the same euphoria yeah but if they sweep you aside it means you don't belong to the system uh not belonging to the system in this uh manner or way definitely is not a good thing it means no one understands you it means no one collects your work. Then it means you're going to sleep hungry. No one wants to be in that space. So, depending on what we mean by trends, uh, for instance, if the trend is African art, or art from the continent, as they call it, you need to be somewhere relevant if you're going to survive. Because you need relevance within that trend to be able to sustain life after the trends. What do I mean that by that? I mean, after the trends are here and they are gone, 
It means people should be able to do some referrals and check out where you fall in history. Where you fall in history will inform the decision whether you are going to survive in history or you are going to be one dead man <laughs> before history is written. <laughs> so trends are important, but they also affect negatively, like I've just mentioned. There are those who fall by the wayside. Uh, there are those who come into the trends, dilute their thought process, become reproduction machines, and then just be minting out work based on what they think trends need. Uh, when you start being a machine, it means at some point you have to break down and expire. But if you're thinking mind, it means there's some recurrence in you and you will continue being a thinking mind. So trends must be guarded, but trends must also be embraced. Whichever way a balance must be found, one has to strike an equilibrium. If you don't, bad for you. So trends are good, trends are bad as well. In my so opinion. it depends with how you, your work is? No, it depends on your, how much of control do you have as a person. You have to control your world. In this art world, an artist is supposed to be a ruler. You control your territory. You say what happens where and how. Other things are subsidiary. If you don't know your space, then other people will define it. Once they define it, it means you're not present in that space. You're just another puppet within the space. A puppet is to be carried to the stage and is to be carried out of the stage. So if you hand over that space to the puppeteer, it only means that you're there for a minute. Before you know it, you'll be carried out of the stage. Then what happens to you? You're just subject, subject to disposal. So do you want to be a puppet, a puppeteer, or the stage itself? That's up to you to decide. <laughs> no, you've been in Germany for 10 years. You've done solo shows and group shows, both in Germany and Kenya. The difference between these two countries, to the personal shows and the group shows you've had in Kenya and in Germany. You know, for every artist, whenever you have a show, it's a big day. It's a good feeling. Because, you know, much of the time you spend in the studio, working, 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 like for me as a person, I just keep working. I don't work for anyone. I work for myself. So when I wake up in the morning, the inspiration that I pick is from, like I've told you, what I see, the things that I experience, and the things that I hear, how I interpret my world. And this I cannot be taught by anyone. It's my own thought process. So after you produce this work, of course you want people to experience the work. This comes in terms of shows. So therefore, when a show does happen, it is a good thing, regardless of where it happens. I think it's, it's, it's every artist's dream that once the work is done, it's experienced by people, and you can only get this done in shows. So I've had both solo shows and group shows, not only in Kenya and Germany, I've done shows in London, I've done shows in New York, I've done shows in Dubai, and other European countries. So I, the list is long in Cape Town, all these places. I've not been lucky to attend all of them. Like the latest one just uh, closed in New York, a solo show last month. That went for two months. But because of Corona, we all know that traveling is a nightmare. 
But from where I sat, I mean, I was glad that there was a show running. Even in absentia, it's okay. What you want to get out there is the work. Though sometimes people carry the work and the artist. But the most important thing is get the work out, let it speak for you even when you're not there. So the experience is always amazing. Every time there's a show, it's always a good time for, for me. Okay. As a young artist, what can we learn from you? To, we want to enter in the, into, into the industry. Mm. Your, work, your works are selling international. What can we learn from you? So first of all... To get know, to international levels. I know. Okay, first of all, you're not coming into an industry. You're coming into a world called an art world. On this side of the bridge, we call it the world of artists. Reason being, <laughs> um, in my opinion, this can never be an industry. This is an experience that is gushed out of souls and minds and brains that keep working whether they are asleep or awake. You know, an artist is that person who will dream about something and want to actualize it the next morning. Industrialists don't. They have A, B, C, D as ingredients and they produce their products out of A, B, C, D from the beginning of the world to the end of it. Things that just change as per the material and formula. For us, there is no formula, I repeat, no formula. So what we produce, we give experience. So we cannot be the same and one and the same thing with industrialists. So when you're coming into this space, know you're coming to occupy a space that is very organic, a space that has no form and shape to some extent. You have to create form and, sh and shape within that space. Okay? So you walk in to occupy. When you come to occupy, you have to have the mentality of a ruler. Okay? Yeah. You have your small world within that small space and you occupy it and rule over it. So as you come into that space, first of all, remember it's not an industry. Second of all, know that you are, a you must be ready to occupy your own space and create form and shape within that space. Failure to do so, then you don't exist within the space. And don't be in a rush to be noticed within that space. Take your time, go slow, and concentrate on the work beyond fame. Concentrate on the work. Let other things find you. Fame and money and everything else will follow only good work that you do. If you're creative enough, the world will notice. And um, what else can I say? Uh, don't be used to the norms. Don't, don't just see it as artists to be done on canvas and paper. You have to occupy that space with some form of curiosity to jump out of the box and find out new things, bring them into the space. That's how you get noticed. But if you walk into the space and just deal with what you find within the space, 
Of course, you're never going to come up with anything fresh, fresh. That also get out of your mind. So don't lock yourself in a room and say, Wataniona. Watajua pia mini musani. It's a waste of time. Share ideas. Go out for shows. Congregate with other artists. Have conversations. That way you build yourself. But if you lock up yourself with some plain canvases and uh, uh, acrylic papers and aquarel papers, hoping that there's something you're going to draw and paint that the world has not seen before, <laughs> you'll be bullshitting yourself big time. When you're said and done, and then you go out there trying to show people what you've done in your closet, trust me, more often they trust you. You know why? Because, yeah, you came into this space, uh, you did not bring anything new. You just tried to kujichocha. And how does that end? Tragic. So, the sleep hungry. In many words, <laughs> you want to check on that conversation again and again. <laughs> okay, now growing up, when, when, do, when was your breakthrough? When can I say, okay, my breakthrough, my main breakthrough, I would say, is in what I, re I call real breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, leave alone the perceptions about breakthroughs. You know, breakthroughs are again very relative. But for, my, for me, my breakthrough is in the year 2006 when I went to one art school. And one professor, Manfred Stumpf, saw my work. That's in guy, Germany. Yes. And the guy was like, wow, where the hell have you been? And who are you again? And it went from that point to another professor appreciating the same work. And actually, based on that, I was admitted into that school without even doing the German language, which is a compulsory thing. Talk about breakthroughs for me, that was a real breakthrough. Let's talk about the market. Uh -huh. Where do you sell your works? Which is, which is the biggest market for the artist? The okay. biggest market for the artist? Yeah. Hmm. I actually don't end up selling most of my work, they're sold by my agencies. So I do have a dealer in London, for instance, I have a gallerist in New York. I have another one in Germany. So what happens is, and yeah, there, there are galleries in, in Nairobi like Sakolat, one of, um, that's how I sell my work, much of it. But of course there are people who walk into the studio and they're like, hey, can we get a piece? And of course I'm like, yeah, can I get your money? Because, you see, <laughs> him who worketh must eat. Yeah. So, it's a good thing. If you don't have a binding agreement with anyone that you cannot sell from your studio, you go ahead and sell. It's your work. But if you've given your word that, you know, they represent you, then you send all these guys to the dealer. Don't touch their money if you gave your word. That's a lesson for your tomorrow. 
So don't give your word before you think through. If you know you like money that comes to you directly, let the dealers know that you know we are only dealing with what I've given to you. What is in my studio is under my custody and under my power when it comes to sales. It's good to keep things straight because then you don't want to mess up relationships. So moving forward, if you're going the dealership purely the dealership way, let the dealers handle the transactions. But if you still want to have a bit of your space where you can make a few coins, then make it clear. And there are wonderful people out there who will understand. That, okay, fine. They sell your work, but you also sell your work. All, all you have to do is make sure that you're not messing up the prices out there. So, long short of it, through the, de- through the dealers. Through the dealers. Yes. Okay, how do you handle the negative energy? That comes from where? Around people around you. I don't keep those people around. That's how I manage them. If I feel you're bringing negative vibes, I give you space. Because that's, that's actually not what I need. So I would quit, go get a glass of wine, and then that negative energy is handled. What about the ups and downs when you're, when you're working? Maybe you're not in the mood. Yes, so after many years of practice, I realize if I'm not in the mood, I stay away from my studio. So besides my art, I have other things to do. Get yourself busy. Okay. Yeah. It must not be doing art 24-7. You're a human being like everyone else. So there are times you're not going to be in the mood to work. What do you do? Find yourself something else to do. Like I, I restore old cars. Uh, that's the other thing I do. Of course I do have a family. Maybe go and play with my young boy. Uh, yeah, I'll just make myself busy in one way or the other. So it's not like grow dreadlocks, uh, lock yourself up in the studio, smoke ganja 24-7. You'll be destroying yourself. It's not being an artist that way. Being an artist is being a creative mind, but you have to be also... Uh, you have also to sober up to the to the realities of of conversations around the world and around yourself and family. So uh, stay healthy, live healthy. Act like a normal human being. So if you cannot work because you're not inspired or for whatever reason, take a walk. Uh, Yeah, go to the gym or something. Do something with your life that is also productive. Uh, yeah, and you'll just be a good person. You'll be a good artist. You'll still be a very good artist. If you, today you are not doing art, what will you be doing? I'll be doing nothing. <laughs> because I don't know me without art. You see, mine is not taught. Mine is enhanced. It's natural in existence. So, the me without art would be uh, someone else whom I don't know. But this person that I know was born an artist, is an artist and will remain an artist until the end of my day. But, uh, yeah, that means uh, 
Paul the non-artist to to me doesn't exist. Okay, thank you for your time. That, yeah, that was only the, that was the questions I had. All right. Yeah. Welcome again to the studio. Thank you.